now for the Faith FM Breakfast Show with your hosts, Lyle and Lawson. Welcome, everybody. You're listening on Faith FM 87, 6, 87, 8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. A special shout out to those listening in Georgetown, Tasmania on 88.0, in Horsham, Victoria on 87.6. And let's see, those listening right here in the Hunter Valley, Maitland, New South Wales on 87.6. I helped build that transmitter. So. Mm. Hopefully it is running fine this morning. Mm. So, Lawson, what are you thankful about? I have been converting my friends. Praise God. Uh, no, you haven't. You have not. How? It's impossible to convert someone. I know the Holy Spirit can do that. The Holy Spirit has been converting your friends. Has converting them into fitness junkies? Is that Well, possibly. <laughs> Well, because the I, Holy Spirit definitely supports people becoming fitness. Not junkies, but maybe not junkies. I, I, but yesterday, fitness. I took some friends running, and then I took another group of friends swimming, and I taught them how to run, and I taught them how to swim, and now they're keen to keep going and get into it, and it, it's like got the athletics going. That, it's like the best thing ever. I, I honestly, I honestly think I could be like a professional swimming coach. If you don't know how to swim and you want to learn how to swim, I'll, I will teach you. I've got the info. I was the under-12s boys champion for my school, so my credentials are pretty pretty lofty. Uh, but it's good. I, I was teaching people yesterday who like couldn't even do 10 metres of freestyle. By the end, they were making 100 metres. Well, I can't do 10 metres of freestyle. Oh, well. You so need, I might I'll, have to join up. I'll go Sign give you me a up. lesson. Sign me up. I 100%. might learn how to swim. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Uh, Lawson, what's our first question for our quiz? And a reminder today, we still don't have our text message system working, our new text message system working. Mm. And so you're going to need to call us to give the answer. 0491-064-669 is the number to call. First caller through? It'll be the first caller through. Gets their name. The first caller through for each question gets their name in the draw. That's right. And we will be having the draw today at around 8.45 a.m. for Dr. Paul White's amazing books. We're going to give you three of them from his adventures as the Jungle Doctor, living in the African subcontinent and, well, the African continent. Yes. Potentially continent. a different part of Africa that is a subcontinent, maybe. <laughs> I've not I, heard of I've, the, I've heard of the Asian subcontinent. That makes no, sense. Absolutely, there's African. But the, like there's, yeah, okay. there's African subcontinents. There's like you have like the Sahara kind of area and the central. Continents area. don't make any sense. Really? No. They're just bodies of land. They're just random lines that people have drawn on a map and said it's here. I mean, how do you have Europe and Asia? It's one continent. It, that's true. It's, that's like that, that makes no sense at all. It's one continent. And North America, the whole world, uh-huh. is connected to South America. Uh-huh. So that's one continent. Uh huh. See, Australia is a true continent. Yeah, where? But Australia is an island. That. So this is why I say. But no we're an sense. island. We're an island continent. We've got it all. We're an island and continent country. Antarctica is not even a continent. It's an archipelago. It's just covered in ice. So. Yeah, but that's Antarctica is gross and small. They can keep it. I don't. I don't care it's what huge. they call it. Antarctica. It's bigger than Australia, isn't it? 
No way. That's just Big. how the map distorts it, right? Nah, look at it on a globe. I thought apparently it was it was smaller than Australia. Okay, so Antarctica is an archipelago. Uh-huh. Australia is an island. Asia and Europe are not even a thing because there's just like whatever. Uh huh. North America and South America. So your point is that there's, the no there's no continents. No, I don't, I completely disagree with you, Lyle. And we haven't even How said the question for the quiz. The question is: During the last Passover meal, how many did Jesus eat with? If you know how many people were there and how many he ate with, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine be the first caller through, and you will be receiving three of Dr. Paul White's Jungle Doctor amazing books. But again, that question was: During the last Passover meal, how many did Jesus eat with? Zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Okay, that's the number to call. So give us a call right now, and you will get your name in the drawer. All right, let's have some positively different news this morning, Lawson. Okay, I got some interesting, interesting news this morning. I got a news story. We're going to quickly start off with a different news story to give us some, 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 some insight, you could say, or, or to kind of go that direction. Uh, a study has been done and over 50% of adults, if around 58% of adults say that they are perfectly happy with their Christmas present. Uh, with the Christmas present that they received this Christmas being a re-gifting of a Christmas present that went to someone else. So this is the ultimate in recycling. I wholeheartedly support it. They're, they're perfectly happy with their gifts being pre-owned by other people. Yes. And if it's a good gift yes. and it serves their needs, then that's fine. That's all that I care about. I am totally, I am totally on board with this. Lawson, what, what's your thoughts? Uh, yeah, I, I'm like, look, if it's something I want and something I need, I'm, I don't care where it comes from. Okay, so it's a little bit like this with Christmas gifts. You mm. can get gifts and you're like, oh, thank you, and you put a smile on your face, but it's like, what am I ever going to use it for? And because it came to you as a gift, you put it into storage, it never gets used, mm. and or it gets thrown out mm. after several years. This is a terrible, terrible idea, and so... Uh, what we need to do is to recycle. We live in a recycling world, so if it's still in good condition, it's still good new and it's still functional, mm. re-gift it. Okay, we've got uh, somebody calling through with an answer to the quiz question. Let's see if they can get it right. So yeah, we got Freco is... there. Okay, uh, Freco hey, again. Wilson, how are you, Oh, yeah, good, just, good. Just killing it, living our best lives, I'm, seriously. I'm going, I'm going for 12. Am I right? Yes, that is absolutely. The question was, during the last Passover meal, how many did Jesus eat with? And that answer was, as you said, 12. 12. Oh. Franco, you're, you, are, you, are in the, you are in the draw. Uh, we wish you all the best for our draw this afternoon. This morning, sorry. This morning. <laughs> Not this afternoon. This at the end of the show. This morning. I'll get there. Franco, thanks a lot. All right, so that was uh, that was Freco right there, getting um, the correct answer. Getting the correct answer. So um, yeah, well okay. Done. Congratulations. So, he was re- the first caller through. Regifting this Christmas, a good thing. Do it now. The, a Japanese startup has taken this to its, you could maybe say it's illogical extreme or it's logical extreme, or they've they've just taken it to the extreme because they've begun making cement out of food waste. Oh, and now that's is, some that's some recycling. Now, and this is a this is a food startup. Uh, well, this is a startup company. Now, it's it started as a a research project at a university that's turned into a startup, and they have been yeah. Basically, this is their system. They get a bunch of food waste, they dry it out mm. extremely, grind it into powder, 
and then turn that powder into cement. That that's really wild. That is it's and this cement is edible and aromatic. And okay, okay. So next somebody time somebody tells you to to add a spoonful of of concrete powder to your uh, wheat bix in the morning and harden up a little bit. Yeah. This might actually be a thing. This is this, this might actually you don't be need a to thing. add the concrete because according to them this food-based cement has four times better bending resistance than concrete does. But does it go moldy and rot? See, this is the question, but if you completely remove the presence of water and then add water because you're going to turn it into cement. That's right. But again, the formula that they're using it gives it the ability to... You know, human beings are amazing. It's just like, how did anybody even see, know. you know, uh, a wheelie bin full of food scraps out the back of a restaurant and go, yeah, I'm going to turn that into concrete? Now, this is like fantastic. Edible concrete. Because there is so much food that goes into food waste and it can be used. Yeah, it's like half the food that's produced in the world goes into waste. Now, the thing that I found funny was one of the applications of this because it's like, okay, sweet, we can make concrete out of food waste and, you know, it's... It's it's something to do to recycle. Uh, but then they were talking about, oh, potential applications because the concrete would be edible. So like, oh, this is this is what you could do. This is a quote from them. Um, for example, if food cannot be delivered to a disaster zone uh, to enter the evacuees of a disaster zone, they could eat the makeshift beds <laughs> that are made out of our food cement. Yeah, except I've never slept on a concrete bed. Have you ever slept on a concrete bed? No, but they're saying, well, we'll make beds out of concrete, out of this food concrete, and then you can eat it if you're in a disaster. Right. Which I was kind of chuckling at because I'm like, when would that Okay, happen? okay, okay. So this could kind of be a thing because then, when, you know, you concrete your driveway or whatever, and in times of disaster, you eat it. You just, yeah, you just get a spoon out and just... I'm thinking more like a jackhammer. But yeah, that's right. You know, I'm just really. This is a weird story. This, this is, a seriously is incredibly weird, story. weird. It's it's like again. That's why I said it's recycling to its almost illogical extreme. So you remove all the moisture. Uh huh. Then you add moisture, mm-hmm. and then if you're going to eat it, then you remove all the moisture again because it sets into concrete. But if you're going to eat it, you're going to have to add moisture again. Uh huh. I am worried about the nutritional con. Uh, nutritional content of concrete. Yeah, me too. It concerns me. But uh, I think it might be lacking in some trace elements like, somewhere. I, I agree. Um, that being said, they're making it out of interesting food scraps. They've found like they've, they've been making the bricks out of specific foods. So either Chinese cabbage or coffee grounds or orange rinds or squash or pumpkin waste or banana peels or seaweed or onion scraps. Yeah. Okay, so you could have a concrete driveway. That is plant based. L- literally, you could have a vegan driveway. A vegan, vegan driveway, and and each As tile could be a, a different a food. Limestone driveway. Yeah, which is still vegan, but limestone. You based. know, yeah. But I, I was just so I was as equally perplexed by this story. I'm like, why did anyone do this? But keep doing it. I. Yes, it's 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 fantastic stuff. Hey, if you want to, if you have any thoughts on this, zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Give us a call. Let us know what you think. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. 
you are with the Double L Team, Lyle and Lawson. We are about to have another question for our quiz, and you are going to need to call because we don't have any text message functionality mm. today. So get ready to call uh, 0491064669. Freco's already in the running. Let's see who else can get in the running this morning. Race to the phone. It is a race to the phone, and these are your last opportunities to be able to get in for the quiz this morning. Our next question is a fill in the blank. Okay, fill in the blank. What? Know ye not that your body is the blank of the Holy Ghost which is in you? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you'll go into the draw to win our three amazing Dr. Paul White Jungle Doctor Adventure books. We'll give them to you for free. You just have to win the draw. And to win the draw, you just have to call us and have the right answer. Again... That uh, that question was a fill in the blank. What? Know ye not that your body is the blank of the Holy Ghost which is in you? If you know the answer to that one, 0491-064-669. All right. This morning, we're in more serious news. We're going to talk about this church uh, in the UK. This is uh, St. Peter's Church in Bramshaw. And they've been hit with graffiti attacks. Oh, which is never nice. Yeah, that's awful. But these ones are kind of next level. Mm. So the cleaner turned up to clean the church and found a dead cat hanging from the top of the flag flagpole. What? Yes. Then they found a dead fox on the church's front doorstep. And so, yeah, this is not very nice at all. They're suspected that these uh, Satanists have carried out a string of offences in the area. Uh, going back a few years where they uh, covered the church in occult-related graffiti, you know, 666 and all those kind of stuff. Mm. So this church has really been copying it from this particular group. And they know who it is? or Well, no, they suspect it's a bunch of Satanists because of the Satanic symbolism. I suspect that it's more likely a bunch of Satanist-inspired kids. Yeah. This because, is like I such mean, a this juvenile is not, crime. This is a, such a juvenile crime, and this is not the kind of thing that any Satanist that I have ever met would ever involve themselves in. Mm. Now, you know, human beings will do weird things, but, yeah, I've never met any Satanist who would involve... You know, most of the Satanists I've met are, like, fully environmentally kind of people. Mm-hmm. Um, in, you know, and we're talking about in the modern context, of course, you know, within my lifetime. Mm. Anyway, so there was also um, a sheep and a cow that were stabbed and then painted with similar markings in the area. So this wasn't actually targeting the church. Yes, there's some really dark stuff going on. And the thing that worries me here is, okay, these people need to be found and they need to be imprisoned because somebody who tortures animals Mm. and somebody who gets a kick out of that is going to move on to humans at some point. That that is like the statistics show. Like Yes, we know that. Almost all serial killers have like a history of... Torturing animals. Torturing animals, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the Hampshire and Isle White Constabulary called in policemen from the Police Pagan Association. Huh? There is such a thing. This is a support group for pagan police officers that was formed in 2009. So like, okay, you guys are the expert on this kind of thing. Come in and give us a hand with this one. They've mm. come in and they've said that you know the, the attacks are more likely to have been carried out by young people messing around instead of genuine satanic groups. Mm. Um, the pastor of the church has said, every so often we get things like this happening. It makes everybody feel very uncomfortable. 
I can't say definitively it is the latest event. Uh, if the latest events are re- linked to the sheep killings from uh, a while back, we have no idea what the, what motivated this. Are they just angry at life in general or against the church? Or is it links, linked to witchcraft? They can't say. Mm. Heavy stuff. Seems like we've got somebody who's called through with an answer for our quiz question. Yes, we've got Nick on the phone. Okay, Nick, the question was... Uh, what? Know ye not that your body is the... What's the blank there? Temple. Ah, oh, Nick, fantastic. Kicking well goals, ticking boxes, your name will be in the draw. All right, thanks, guys. So, thanks so much. Awesome. No, awesome job, Nick. Well done. Have a good morning. Hopefully, you know, the wheels get spun and you get the W. You get the win. Get these books. Yeah, Absolutely. Mm. All right, another story coming through right here. And this one's coming out of Nicaragua where there's a bishop under arrest. Um, So he's a Roman Catholic bishop, and he's been arrested by the government charged with conspiracy against the government. And, you know, I read this kind of thing, and I'm like, yeah, okay, here we go. This is religious persecution all over again. But then I kind of look at the history of the Catholic Church, Mm. which has been very political in the past, particularly Mm. during the medieval period. And I look at the fact that this is not just a church. You've got to remember this is a foreign state. Mm. So this is a person who is a member of a foreign state. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking, I don't actually know. Mm-hmm. I don't actually know what's going on here. And not even just during the medieval period as well. No, very much in modern times. They have uh, definitely you know, spent enormous amount of resources uh, influencing the elections in the United States. Mm. You know, a lot of people got very bent out of shape some years ago, you know, that Russia was influencing the elections in the United States, and that may or may not be true. Mm -hmm. But what is very true and what is undeniably true and what the Vatican doesn't deny is that they have been very, very involved in manipulating the elections in the United States and seeing their members as a voting bloc. And, I mean, we're talking about the last 30 years or so. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, there's numerous examples of that. And so, okay, the question is, should a foreign state be manipulating another foreign state that is not their state? And no, that shouldn't be the case. You know, we should have separation of church and state. If this guy is being ar- ar- arrested because of his religious beliefs, then he should be released. But when it comes to one state meddling in the affairs of another state, then, you know, that's what we call espionage. Yeah, and again, what was the charge? It wasn't blasphemy. It wasn't. No, it was conspiracy against the state. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy, and I kind of feel for him because he runs a Christian radio station, mm-hmm. so he's kind of in our field. Mm-hmm. And uh, this, of course, station has been shut down along with another five stations. Uh, he was arrested actually back in August, but he's just um, turned up in court uh, on Tuesday. He's fifty-six years old. And uh, with um, uh, along with bishops from three other church leaders from the diocese of Matagalpa that have been arrested, the government has ordered the arrest of another priest living in exile in Italy. Mm. Don't know whether they have an extradition treaty with Italy or not, but he's facing up to fifteen years in prison if he is found guilty. It'd be interesting to watch the uh, the legal process work its way through here and find out. Okay, what's he actually being charged with? What's he actually being accused of? Is this a case of religious persecution or is this a case of case of political espionage? Mm. I really want to know. But he is the, the the other thing that I see that falls in his favor for me is. I say, okay, well, he's a radio host, and we come on radio, and the we purpose of the radio the is to 
Yes. We have the freedom to talk about whatever we want, basically. That's right. Absolutely. And to give our opinion and talk about when the government or when whoever's doing the wrong, the wrong thing. thing. And I could totally imagine if he is the Nicaraguan version of us, and we've been very vocal about things that we don't like about the government... And if he was doing the same thing, is that why he was charged? Oh, yeah, or the opposition or And, and this is the be. point. This is my point right here is, okay, is this partisan mm. or is this or has he been speaking to issues? Mm. Because if it's partisan, then he can be accused of an agenda that has been given to him by the Vatican, whereas mm. if he has just been speaking to various issues and supporting either side because, you know, there's I'll support either side of politics here in Australia, mm. depending on what the issue is. Mm. Uh, I can kind of find something in common with any party that's out there at some particular point. Mm-hmm. And uh, it comes down to issues and supporting good moral issues. Finally, Pope Francis has urged everyone to spend less on Christmas and send the difference to Ukrainians. I'd broaden that. And I'd say, yeah, I think it's a really, really good idea to spend less on Christmas and send the difference to charities. This is Mm. a fantastic opportunity uh, to support charities around the world. And when you think about Christmas and the message of Christmas and the message of Jesus coming to this earth, isn't that really what Christmas should be all about? We spend it on ourselves. We spend it on our family. We spend it on our relatives. We have commercialized Christmas Mm. to an obscene point. And we could be doing so much good on this day, our emphasis should be at Christmas time on helping others rather than just helping ourselves. Mm. Anyway, a few interesting thoughts right there. Um, Ukraine's not a bad place to send it. There are other worthy causes as well. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Time for us to give our third question for the quiz. Uh, don't forget, you cannot text, but you can call. We want you to call. Uh, we might not get you to air because we'll be in the interview, mm-hmm. but do give us a call on zero four nine one zero six four six six nine with your answer to the quiz this morning. Lawson, what's the next question? In the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where did Lazarus go when he died? Zero four nine one zero six four. 669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win our Jungle Doctor books. Again, actually, you can't text. You you cannot text. All you can do is be the first caller through. It's a race to the phone. And again, that question was, in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, where did Lazarus go when he died? 0491 064 669. Nine. You should all know this one. We just had it in the Bible study we've recently. Been, we've been we've been trampling all over this story. Don't get it wrong. We've we've, we've walked. You could get before. this wrong. Do not get it wrong. Don't zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. Yeah, I got somebody calling through right now. Let's see if they can figure it out and get the correct answer. But joining us on the phone right now is Baron Neustrat, and he's our uh, expert on the Book of Genesis. Baron, welcome to the show. Thank you, Allah, for having me. Now, Baron, we've looking going, been going through the book of Genesis. We're up to chapter 43. <coughs> and just to give a, you know, we do this once a month, so to give a bit of, a bit of background, you know, Joseph, uh, sorry, Joseph's brothers have been down to Egypt and uh, it hasn't gone so well for them in Egypt. They have uh, returned to their father. They do have food, but they're missing one of their brothers. Um, and where do we pick this story up in chapter 43? 
Yeah, it's an it's an amazing occurrence. Um, they haven't seen each other for 22 years. The last thing they expect, of course, is Joseph to be in the position that he is. So there is absolutely no recognition. He must look very Egyptian, obviously shaven and differently dressed and very much different uh, than, than the Semites that they were. And he was interested in one thing. Were they still the same that he remembered them last by? That is the way they treated him, what they did do. He was extremely callous, as we know, um, indifferent to his uh, his very well-being or even existence, for that matter. Can you imagine they would have happily killed him in a sense? Uh, yeah, there was a, num- a number of those brothers that were would would have easily killed him and. Uh, you know, the fact that they sold him, okay, that was definitely a mercy, but is it really a mercy? I mean, the life of a slave was pretty cheap in those days. Yeah, indeed it was. Uh, it's amazing that you, they could do that. But there it is. They're now in this situation where he's got absolute uh, power over them, and uh, the bowing down is a fulfillment of a dream, as we know. Uh, and then he commands them that... Uh, of what they have conveyed to him. He wants to test their uh, truthfulness. And so the only way to do that is to bring the younger one with them. And uh, he knows full well how the father would feel about the younger one being, uh, yeah, uh, taken from him. And Joseph wasn't the youngest, sorry, wasn't the oldest of his brothers. He was one of the younger brothers, but he was favoured because he was the son of Rachel. And... uh, you know, for for Jacob, the last surviving child of Rachel is going to be Benjamin, and so we can imagine that Benjamin would have been favoured by his father, and so really this is an opportunity for him not just to see his full brother again, but for him to yeah. see the true character of his brothers. You know, have have their characters, have they changed, or are they still cold and hard and callous and like, yep, yeah. let's go back, let's kidnap this kid, drag him off to Egypt and we'll be done with our last, you know, threat to the wealth that we want to acquire at some particular point. You know, uh-huh. there's, there's a lot of opportunities here where, where Joseph could really uh, get a grasp of where these guys' minds are at. They are severely tested, and, and uh, but they pass every test at this stage, <laughs> which is very remarkable. Can you imagine then living uh, for some 22 years with the guilt that they had to live with. Uh, it must have affected them and turned them around. It never got them as far as making a full and frank confession to their father because they hid it from him, of course. Yes, indeed. And, uh, well, I guess they've come a long way and they've got a little ways to go yet, but they have certainly come a long way from where they were. And you can imagine, you know, this would have been eating at them. This would have, you know... They would have lived with it every single day of their lives. Would have to, would have to. That can't be easy. They would have to. But there they are. They uh, So they, they do bring him around. Uh, they return with Benjamin. There is, there is just no option for Jacob because they're all going to die of starvation anyway, unless there's compliance. And then the remarkable thing... Uh, you know, that he that he contains himself and he sees his brother, who's not the little boy that is often depicted. Um, he would have been some six years younger than uh, than Joseph himself. Uh, Joseph here, of course, is about 39. 
And so he's uh, he's a young man of uh, in his early thirties. Uh, but uh, it must have been a wonderful experience for uh, for Joseph to see his younger brother. Uh, would have been great. And you can imagine that these two boys, they would have been very close back in the day because they were the favoured sons. And, yes. you know, they were the sons that would have been picked on because of the jealousy of the other brothers. And, but uh-huh. they would have had a lot of things in common. They would have been able to support each other. And, and yeah, how, yes. so how, does, how does Joseph react when he sees his, his, uh, his younger full brother? He's very emotional. Joseph is the one person that um, he, not that his emotions rule him, but he's very sensitive, mm-hmm. very perceptive. And that is what you can't help but liking about Joseph. He's also the guy that who was in the position when Pharaoh installed him as the, into the position where he was at. He could have easily contacted his father. He could have easily uh, sought things out. But he never acted without guidance from above. That is the remarkable story of Joseph. He was absolutely guided by everything that God wanted him to do. And he had that patience. So for seven years, you know, actually nine years, two years of famine, seven years of uh, good, good crops, he still waits for God. And then there are his brothers fronting him. You, you wonder what a tremendous capacity the man has in, in waiting on God. That's the hard part for most of us, isn't it? But he's waiting on God to bring about that which he must have intended for uh, for, for, for Joseph and, 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 and for the survival of his family. And it would have been very easy for him to, you know, on becoming prime minister, go to Pharaoh and say, look, let me lead, oh, yeah. lead a, a punitive exibi- ex- expedition <laughs> up into... Uh, Palestine, there's only one family that I'm after. I'm going to, you know, wipe out a bunch of brothers, rescue my father and my younger brother and bring them back to Egypt and they can live with me here in wealth and luxury, uh, which would be a very human approach, but he doesn't take that approach whatsoever. None of the above. None None. of the above. None. He has this amazing capacity. Simeon certainly ends up a few months in prison. I can't imagine that would have been much fun for him. No, but he was one of the worst culprits. Remember them? They had, well, he and Levi dealt out with the Shechemites after they had them uh, circumcised themselves. Uh, the murder there was, was always a blot on the reputation of the family, and Jacob knew that well. <coughs> and uh, that would have put him in danger. And Simeon was also the one that uh, was probably the first one to front up uh, quite readily available to kill his brother. So he picked on the one that was, well, you might say the main culprit of the violence perpetrated against him. Mm, mm, Indeed. Okay, so the brothers turn up in Egypt, and the first thing that uh, Joseph does is to to release Simeon. But the brothers are also worried because all of the money that they spent on grain in Egypt they found returned to them in their sacks, and so they bring that money back along with more money to buy more grain, and what is yeah. Joseph's response to that? Uh, well, the, the 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 servant of Joseph, the, the one that they inquire or confess that they have the money uh, returned in the sacks and they've got extra money, but the, the, the reaction of the servant is quite remarkable. Please speak to you, do not be afraid. And then he quotes, your God and the God of your father has given you treasure in your sacks. I had your money, so he admits that it was a setup. But there was no malintent. Uh, there was no willingness 
to take uh, money for food. And uh, then they released Simeon. So all seemed to be very good. And, and this is a most unusual circumstance, I find, you know, uh, thinking about the era of that day where, you know, I would imagine that business wasn't always that, you know, um, honest and upfront as this. And, no. you know, in normal no. circumstances, you would expect this guy to, you know, even if he did already have their money, if they turn up with more money, it's like, okay, yeah. uh, thank you, thank you. I'll, yeah. Whoever yeah. turns away money. Uh, but he's under instructions not to and do so. Another test, isn't it? It's another it test of Joseph. So uh, it's all looking good, and then they have their food, and then uh, Benjamin is favoured very much. Can you imagine five times the amount? Uh, and Joseph is, is observing them for as much as he can, although he eats separately, of course. Egyptians don't eat with, uh, with so much. That yes. was not the custom of the day. Okay, so the uh, the brothers are all, all invited to dine with the Prime Minister and uh, once again you imagine what is going through their minds because, you know, they are not particularly significant individuals. It's not like they are representatives of a head of state of another country or anything like this. Why do they get to dine with the Prime Minister? Why did they have so much trouble with this guy in the first place? Why does it all seem to be so much better right now? And then, of course, why is Joseph favoured so much? You know, you would, Joseph in, in many ways is kind of messing with their heads, isn't he? Well, he is, and, and that's the test. He, he looks for the other signs of jealousy. And, and it must have given him a tremendous satisfaction that the brothers are passing every single text. Because the test, the biggest one is still to come. It's when they leave. That's when the problems really start because that they are obviously, uh, um, you know, re-examined the, the, the the cup that we uh, find there in the 44th chapter uh, is um, supposed that's the personal property and it's got a capacity of divination. And and so what's it doing in the sack of, uh, of Benjamin? The last thing they would have expected, that is the real test. The fact that they cannot get themselves to go home without Benjamin, but they're all willing to come back and to serve and particularly Judah makes a very big impression upon them. And that is the final test. You know, you can kind of you can kind of see what is happening here because, you know, they go to meal with the Prime Minister. That's unusual. Um, yeah. because as we mentioned before, they're not a head of representatives a head of state or anything, you know, important like that. These are mm-hmm. you know, basically a Bedouin family that has come yeah, to buy grain. Sure. It's like, okay, we've been honored here. Why have we been honored? And, you know, they'd be trying to come up with every kind of reason they could think of as to why they had been honored. Then of course, you know, they leave, they've got their grain, um, Joseph sends soldiers after them and accuses them of stealing his cup while he was in their home. They're like, no, none of us have touched anything. We've not done anything like this. Search our sacks, you know, have a look. We, and, of course, they find it in, in Benjamin's sack and suddenly they realise they've been had. You know, Joseph has invited yeah. them to his house so that he can set them up and accuse them of this crime. Yeah, and, and there is a very interesting remark that Judah makes, and it's explained verse 16 of, of chapter 44. And he said, what shall we say to my Lord after he has spoken to them? Uh, what shall we speak or how shall we clear ourselves? God has found out the iniquity of your servants. Now, that does not relate to an intent to take the cup. That, of course, is a reference to a common sin that they know what they had perpetrated. 
And I dislike that confession in a sense. Here we are, my Lord, slaves, both we and he also with whom the cup was found. So uh, there is an admission of guilt, but not necessarily, obviously, of taking the cup. That's the part they never uh, uh, can really confess to. But there isn't a confession of sorts, isn't there? They know, and they've been under a cloud for all these years for what they did, uh, what they did to Joseph. It's amazing. Mm, mm. Yeah, uh, indeed. And, you know, the thing that uh, that really stands out to me here is, you know, in the past they would have been glad to be rid of Benjamin. It's like, yeah. oh, you know, okay, the cup was in his sack. We don't believe he took it. Yeah. Uh, this is a great opportunity to be rid of Benjamin right here. But instead of yeah. that, like, no, no, no. Yeah. If you're going to take Benjamin, I, you're going to take all of us. And that really, really reveals how changed their characters have become. They might have never inspected the degree of grief of Jacob when he believed, was made to believe that uh, Joseph had perished in one form or another. And I think they couldn't bear the thought to top up the guilt already that they had. I don't think they could bear the thought to have this brought upon the old man. And that is what Joseph was really looking for. Yeah. Fantastic stuff, Byron. Thank you so much for joining us here to talk about Genesis once again. We look forward to uh, catching up again in the new year. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.